Sheldon Nick and uh, welcome to our series of podcasts on the Vantage Black Sticks. I understand you're from the mighty Manawatu. Tell us about those first hockey memories you had. Yeah, well the first time I remember watching hockey was on TV. I remember watching the Commonwealth Games in 1994. I was four years old um, and I remember watching thinking, shit, I'd love to be there one day. So Nick, your dad played for Manawatu. Was he an inspiration to you growing up? Yeah, my dad was actually <clears throat> the first person I saw watch, you know, watch play hockey and, and he got me into the game and he was also my coach right from when I was five years old through to maybe 15 years old. He was my rep level coach all the way through so I spent a lot of time with him out on the field and talking about hockey off the field as well um, and he was you know, a big reason why where I am today. He, he pushed me to be a good hockey player and, and to thrive and be the best I can be at the game. But I understand you played lots of sports growing up. Was he bit of an influence to make sure it was hockey that stuck? I, th I think it was more me. Uh, he, he, he wasn't pushing me as much as maybe some do, but he just said, you know, whatever you enjoy the most, just do that. And um, I really enjoyed the skill um, and the camaraderie with the team in, in a hockey environment. Um, also played badminton, squash, uh, soccer, um, basketball. Um, and also cricket as well mainly um, on the side so had to decide at some point to pick one of them and hockey was the one I really enjoyed the most. Now you're a world-class striker, you've scored 76 goals for your country, do you remember that first goal and, and what it felt like to score for your country? Yep, I remember it was in Sydney versus Australia in my second match. Um, it was a, quite a surprise that I was actually playing in the game. Uh, got flown over from New Zealand the day before um, didn't know what I was really doing and was a bit overwhelmed um, and ended up getting a little bit of a tap-in um, that Simon Child set up and, um, and yeah, I, to be honest, I didn't even know what happened. I was just there and um, a bit shocked at the time and um, it, it was great to get a goal. But you didn't have your parents there or anyone because you weren't planning on being in the match? No, I was training in Palmerston North the day before and I got a call from the coach saying hey, do you want to come over to Australia tomorrow? If you can get here, you can play for the Blacksticks. Um, so we went home, booked a flight, and there was no time to plan. It was, it was me on the way up to Auckland, over to Sydney, and the next day I was playing Australia. So looking back, has there been a career highlight for you that stands out? I think just playing at the Olympics uh, in London and in Rio would be the two highlights. Um, you know, for me, I think just going to an event like that, I trained my whole life to, to go to the Olympics um, and, to, and to try win a medal for the country. Um, hasn't quite happened the medal part of it yet, um, but we've got a chance this year in Tokyo to do that. So Nick, you've had a break away from the Vantage Black Sticks for four years. Was there a moment when you decided that you wanted to come back, you could come back and you wanted to put your hand up for selection again? Yeah, well, last year's deferment of the Games for another year actually helped me um, you know, to, to make that decision to come back and play. Um, I wouldn't have been able to play last year if, if they were on. Um, and so I decided last year if my body comes right, I really want another chance to win a medal. Um, and I still enjoy the game so much, so um, you know, that passion is still there as well. So why not give it one last more crack and, and see what you can do. You've been out of that squad for four years. What's changed coming back into it? Everyone's a bit older. Um, now the guys that, that, are, that are older now used to be the young bucks back when I was in the team. Um, there was an older crew above that who, who uh, some of them retired after Rio. 
And so it's really cool to see, you know, the guys that are my age, around the 30-year-old sort of mark, take control of the team um, and take charge and take a bit of leadership. It's, um, it's really cool and um, there's a good vibe going around the team. We're all good mates, been together for five, ten years. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a good chance to do something special with the team. You were forced to take about an 18-month break from the game back in 2014 with a potentially career-ending knee injury. What happened? Tell us through that. Yeah, so I got some um, bad news after uh, the 2012 Olympics. Uh, I had a bit of a bad left knee, had some pain, so we got a surgeon to have a look and uh, ended up, long story short, taking some cartilage out of the knee. Um, that process took maybe two and a half years to get back to hockey. Ended up coming back to hockey six to nine months out from uh, Rio. Um, and so I just managed to scrape into the team before Rio um, and come back and, and was able to make the team again and be physically fit. Um, and then since then, um, obviously done the right knee as well. The exact same problem happened on the right knee um, about two years, two years ago. So um, yeah, I'm back playing uh, for six months now, um, which is a longer lead-in time that I had for Rio, so I'm really happy um, I'm able to train for sort of nine to twelve months before the game starts, so you know, you can be physically ready at the time. Was there a time in either of those rehabs that you thought, this is it, this is the end, I'm not coming I think back. I thought that probably ten to twenty times. Um, when you can't run or walk without pain, um, it's really hard to see the end where you, you see yourself running on the field with you know, these awesome athletes that are out there. Um, so I thought that many times and um, I'm just grateful that I'm able to run again, I'm grateful to be on the team and to have a, you know, a shot of making it to Tokyo. I read that you said in one story, Nick, and I quote, I have to reassess whether I'm going to run myself into a wheelchair by the time I'm finished. Were those long-term effects something that was in the back of your mind? Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. I, I sort of had that feeling that maybe if I keep going, I, I, I won't be able to run properly. And, you know, you've got life after sport as well. Um, if you can't run or walk without pain after sport, when you're 35, you've got a bit of a problem um, going forward. So it was definitely in the back of my mind. Um, and if my body couldn't do it, I wouldn't be here. But luckily, my body's responded really well to all the training and the rehab. And, and I'm just grateful that I'm able to run again and, um, and I think um, I'll have another year and, um, and see where things go from there. Was there one thing you did in your recovery that you think really nailed it, really helped, really worked for you? I wouldn't call it one thing. I would call it a combination of um, good support people around you. Um, I wasn't involved in the program as well, so I had to get my own you know, doctors, physio, massage support. Um, back in you know 216 to 18 and um, and then also I think the nutrition side of it it all sort of helps um, making sure you fuel your body the right way um, you know not only going to the gym and doing your rehab but but doing all the other things that help as well. I don't know if you read about the silver fern Michaela Sokolic beats and she ruptured both her Achilles she ruptured the first came back to training and literally almost immediately ruptured the second she told uh, me last week that the best advice she was given in her recovery was not to compare, not to compare both the, the Achilles but not to compare with others. What advice do you give someone who's going through these sort of really quite potentially career ending injuries? I would say that the biggest thing you've got to do is just simply not give up. Um, 
give everything you've got to every rehab session or every, every other aspect of your rehab as well. Um, and the other thing I would say is be patient. Um, slow and steady wins the race. Um, you, as an athlete, you always want to be on the field and sometimes not being on the field is the best thing for you. So holding yourself back and listening to the people around you and listening to your body would be um, the best bit of advice. You're now one of Auckland's top commercial property salesmen. What have you learned from playing international hockey that you've used in your career? Oh, I think the main thing is just the behaviours that you get from being in a high performance environment. Um, if you transfer them to to anything in life, it, it could be not real estate, you know, it could be anything. Um, I think you'll do well and, and the things I'm sort of talking about are, you know, always giving it 100%, being a good team player, um, sort of not giving up and, and probably the biggest thing sort of for me as well because it relates really well to real estate is that competition. Um, so, you know, we're taught to compete every day um, and in real estate you have to compete with other people and and I think that just correlates really well. And just lastly, like, how do you juggle a busy career with you know, training at this level for Tokyo? Oh, I don't think you can. Um, I think you just have to do what you can. Um, this year, um, work's taken a bit of a back seat and I'm okay with that. Um, my fo main focus is hockey. Um, my second focus is work, so I just train as much as I possibly can and, and, and you know, if that leaves a bit of work, then that's cool as well. Brilliant. Well, Nick, thanks for your time today and thanks for chatting to us on the uh, series of podcasts looking at the Vantage Black Sticks. No worries at all. Thanks.